You are now tuning in to the Own the Build podcast. Join Sealing's very own Paul Hemming, where each week he interviews experts from the world of construction and asks all the important questions around intelligent construction management. Hello and welcome to episode 94 of the Own the Build podcast with me, Paul Hemming. I hope everyone is doing well today. I know I certainly am. Today, I welcome to the show Charlene Colas, who is the founding managing partner from Bespoke Construction Consultants. Charlene is an advisor in the built environment and a genuine bona fide enthusiast on the topics of AI, blockchain, and the crypto economy. She is here to tell us how blockchain will change construction. I'm fascinated by this topic, so I'm really excited. Charlene is beaming from ear to ear looking back at me, so I know this is going to be a good show. I'm pleased to welcome you here, Charlene. Welcome to M the Build. How are you today? Thank you very much. I'm very excited to be here. No, it's, the pleasure is all mine, I can assure you. Now, today, I'm sat in relatively sunny London, and I believe you are sat in Paris. Is it Paris? I'm actually in Versailles, which is to the west of Paris. Oh, uh, the Treaty yeah. of Versailles, signed <laughs> in 1919. I do know that. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I said confidently. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. So, and it doesn't sound like people who are avid listeners to the show know that I like to uh, talk about people's accents. That does not sound like Parisian French <laughs> accent to me, Charlene. Let's hear about your story. Tell us about where you're from and tell us about your journey in construction. So I'm from South Africa and I've been here for about 20 years now. Um, And then I had a short stint in New Zealand where I actually studied to be a quantity surveyor. Um, And (laughs) so my life is pretty much a connection of dots, you know, following in one. This is a safe space for quantity surveyors, Charlene. So there's not many spaces for us that are safe, but this is one. Yeah, absolutely. So um, just found myself in uh, in this career by accident, total accident. Um, Was going about uh, working in hospitality for a very long time, and then. I planned to come to live in France and I was, you know, set out to be uh, working in the wellness industry. So I was all, you know, keeping fit and, and doing all those type of kind things. Kind of the opposite, isn't it? And Construction and wellness. <laughs> completely. <laughs> Absolutely. Like nothing to do with, you know, each other. And then um, when I went to live in New Zealand for a little bit, I decided to go back to uni. And then I did a sort of a personality test a little bit to see, you know, what career really suited me. And then QSing came up. <laughs> and I'll oh, be crikey, honest. Oh, you should be worried. That, that is a scary, <laughs> scary thing. I'll be honest, I didn't know what it was. Like, I really didn't. But I had heard people that were QSs and they just seemed to be, you know, I don't know, just doing something interesting. And then uh, I enrolled in uni. And well, I looked through the profile and it sort of had, you know, finance that I loved, uh, architecture, design, uh, building, which I've always been a part of, you know. Debating. My, my family's... Yeah, debating, uh, negotiating, all those type of things that I love. And then I started studying, uh, to, you know, um, at the university. And then within six months, I was uh, recruited as an apprentice <laughs> while I was studying on, a, you know, on campus. They were building a library and that's where my journey started. And I fell in love. 
I'm not joking. Really? Because <laughs> it's, 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 yeah. it's funny because the kind of process for becoming a QS that you describe is really similar to mine. Complete and utter accident. I had no idea what it was. So much so that my best mate, still my best mate, said to me, I said, oh, I've got this interview to be a uh, trainee quantity surveyor. He said, oh, you don't want to do that. You're going to be so bored. You're going to be miserable. You're going to be counting bricks. For I was like, is that really? But no, so it's not quite that. It's it's touches on so many different things as you've already described. So tell me, is it a job that you love doing? Do you love working in the construction sector? It sounds like you do. Oh, I do. I do. I think for me, because there's such a big variety in the in the job, it's no day is the same. And I think the aspect that really drew me in was was working with people. You know, just people from uh, from from different nationalities, from different uh, walks of life. Um, and I think the the most spectacular part was really the fact that you could build something tangible, and then at the end of it, you would see it forever. You know, not forever, but as long as you know. The building would stand up. Uh, that was really cool. <laughs> yeah, you're speaking my language. Is the yeah. best best bit of the job, isn't it? Is oh, having yeah. that tangible takeaway. Absolutely. Now, something you've I've known you for a brief amount of time. You seem like a people person to me. I've always I find it very easy to talk to you. You were originally in hospitality and wellness. You said that was kind of like your original home. Let's call it as a sector. Weird, weird question, but like I say, it's an unusual transition to make from wellness and hospitality to construction. What is it about your experience in hospitality and wellness that you think influences you in construction in a positive way? I think that you're co-creating, you know, in both uh, of those uh, areas, you're co-creating with with people. You sort of have a common um, vision together that's built and for me, that was always fascinating because we're all different. And the the way you sort of get to excellence is the fact that everybody becomes like the best version of themselves. And I think that's where the wildness comes in because we're always searching for that uh, feeling of, you know, that it just feels right. So, so that's definitely the wildness aspect. And then when I worked in hospitality, um, I, I always used to have this really interesting sensation when I was working and you could feel like the momentum of everybody just working together to make, you know, the the end product happen and make sure that the client experience was um, was good because, you know, it's it's pretty much on a daily basis you had to perform. So for me that, yeah, that was uh, so amazing. And so does, you've you've now kind of set up your own construction consultancy. Does client experience matter to you then? Like in the way that it does in hospitality so much, does that influence how you then manage your clients with your current construction business? Oh, absolutely. Because for us, the, the point of difference for us and one of the reasons why we even call Bespoke is the fact of having a bespoke service, which we always, you know, have as one of the highest values that we produce. Um, and with our clients, we like to spend a lot of time with them, especially in the beginning of our projects. So to give an example, we would spend, I would say, uh, you know, a couple of weeks with them, just us and them trying to you know build up a relationship together because we know that that's the beginning of the journey so that is probably the highest uh, value that we could bring and so what do what does a typical project for you look like who are your clients and what are you working on so for us we um, focus on clients that have portfolios of investment Um, we are based in in france and mainland europe so we bring the, I would say, the, the local knowledge for them so that they can have a consistent service across uh, 
all these different countries. We also put teams together that would be suitable for them because they're not always knowledgeable on you know what's happening in, in different countries. So that's very, very important. And then um, the idea is not to compromise you know the, the vision that they want. So we always try and find a solution. Like we are so solution driven, it's, it's crazy. <laughs> excellent, excellent. And so your journey from Apprentice QS, I guess, you went to lots, you worked at lots of different contractors and lots of different projects, right? And you ended up with your own construction, QS consultancy, for want of a better phrase. There will be people listening who will imagine a similar vision, a similar journey for themselves. There'll be people who, you know, think, I'd quite like to run on my own consultancy, have a, that bit of freedom, let's say, in inverted commas. What would your advice be to anyone who is listening, who is thinking long term, that is, they would like to replicate what you are doing? I would say um, the most important thing is to have a partner because you can't do this on your own. Uh, it's very important. Um, the second one would be to um, to create a niche for yourself because you are going to be going up against bigger consultancies. So you have to have a point of difference, you know, something that you really bring to the market. And I think that's where your brand will, will be very strong because that's your brand really. And then um, the third thing is is to have people around you that want to be around you because it's going to be difficult. You you are a startup, you know, you are trying to do something against the grain. So people that are enthusiastic, um, I mean, they, they you know, they, they'll build up your own energy. So those are definitely the highest uh, points for, you know, for doing it. Yeah, I, that really resonates with my experience as well. And uh, as much as my business partner, and he'll, he might even be listening to this, annoys me sometimes. I couldn't do it without him. Like, having someone to work with lean on and literally be your partner in all these challenging things for me in running our business I I can't imagine it without him almost so going into the challenge that you're going into with someone that's your partner that you can work with absolutely strikes me as such an important thing to me and my business we're going to talk now about a topic which many listeners will be passionate about many listeners will be quite well versed on, well read on, I imagine. Um, So we'll talk about blockchain and the blockchain sector and how it is going to potentially influence construction. Now, you've done quite a lot of talking about this. I'm interested in understanding why you're such an advocate of blockchain in construction because I've yet to see it really implicate influence I should say construction could you describe why you are such an advocate for it in construction well I I think the main thing for me was the fact that you could have a quality of of data that would be connected and um, the issue of trust was taken out of that equation because we spend a lot of our time in uh, you know in conflict which I don't really like in construction for me it's uh, you know it's, it's a barrier so for me, I got very excited when I saw that. And then when you, when you experience using blockchain, just the speed is crazy. If you buy, you know, a crypto or you buy NFTs, which is not, you know, obviously the blockchain we're going to be using 100%, but just the speed of transacting, being able to do that and create value from it, it just makes so much sense for, for construction. So Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it, that word trust? Because... Mm. Going back to the Bitcoin white paper, right? And this is something you talked to me about that kind of like the summary is all about trust, isn't it really? Like 
creating an environment where there is trust. You just said that you don't think trust is one of the biggest problems that we have in construction. What do you mean by that? Well, when you set up a construction project, you've probably got about 60% that's a contract between different parties. There's different interests. And that, tr- that co- those contracts at the moment are, the, are sort of the binding blocks, you know, um, you know, the links between us. And most of them are written in a way that there's always one person that kind of loses on these type of contracts, which is a bit unfortunate. Um, so I, I believe if you could take that... Even. Of course, because you lose a lot of energy by doing that. You know, you're spending half the time being anxious, you know, about what's happening. You don't have the right information. You don't uh, think the person has told you the truth. I mean, quantity surveyors, we find this happening a lot. We, you know, we have to kind of dig to to find out what is the real story. So if you could eliminate that, just imagine what you could do, you know, in, in, in construction, just removing that one factor. So... It's just uh, fascinating. Yeah, okay. So that, creating an environment where trust is built in and you're removing a lack of trust, right? Makes sense to me. But I'm still struggling to picture it, if that makes sense. You've done a lot of talking around blockchain. What do you actually mean? Because with Bitcoin, right, which is the most synonymous with the sector, right, the Satoshi white paper for Bitcoin was all about the 2008 financial crash, we were crashed by the banks, we had no idea who was crashing us, and some people made a load of money, the rest of the world suffered, right? So it was all, that's gone on where Bitcoin came from, where blockchain technology came from. What does that then, how does that replicate over to construction? Well, there'll be, because if you think of blockchain, it's a secure database that has uh, one single truth. So that is the the first part of it, and it's built on different protocols, you know, that exist uh, at the moment. There's obviously the ones we know about, you know, um, that are very popular, and the new ones that are coming out. So that is the first foundation of of what it is. And you you have to almost take a back step on on things that you know already, because if you try and link it up to something that already exists, it will confuse you, because you're not going to get it. But if you think of, let's say, an internet that doesn't have a cloud, and everything is basically peer-to-peer. It's like, you know, nodes in a network. That's your blockchain. And we create it as we, you know, as we move along because there's one block, we link it to someone else. It becomes a DNA of your of your project, if you could put it that way. So that's, the, that's like the foundation of the information that you're going to be uh, using. So it's one truth. Then the second part is the fact that you can transact a lot um, better with different stakeholders which is important. If you, if you can do that, it's going to speed up the process of, uh, of your construction uh, delivery model. So as I'm understanding it, the way you're kind of picturing this is, because this is, this is the challenge, I kind of like believe in the sector, but I'm yet to see any application to construction. Maybe that's me not being aware of it, but that's or where I'm seeing mass adoption it just hasn't happened at all yet as far as i'm concerned so i'm interested to talk with you perhaps after the break about where it's being adopted how it's being adopted and how you actually think it's tangibly going to change things particularly for qs's and project management but let's do that after this break hello it's me again 
I wanted to share a quick story with you on why I co-founded Sealink with my best mate Chris. Chris and I were both QSs, and this is going to sound sad, but one night we were sat in the pub talking about subcontract tendering, and we realised the industry had a problem. Number one, procurement was too paper-based. Number two, it was too time-consuming, and every QS had their own unique way of doing things. And number three, perhaps most importantly, if you want to competitively tender, you need to know hundreds of the best subcontractors. We simply didn't. That's why we created C-Link. It's software to solve subcontract tendering. We wanted to remove these challenges and help the industry get better. So if you, or someone you know, tenders with subcontractors, you've got to see our software. Head over to our link, www.get.c-link.com forward slash podcast to find out more. I will include it in the description box. So again, there's no excuses. Now, let's get right back to the show. So Charlene, we've talked in abstract in the first half of the show about blockchain. What I want to get to, I want to be able to picture the world that you are picturing related to construction. So I picture that on the blockchain, things that could be loads better and that could improve trust or just remove a lack of trust would be that you could be absolute clarity on exactly what is installed on site, exactly what has been delivered to site, improve the way we do valuations, the way we do variations. It could improve loads of things. But explain to me with a bit more detail, I guess, so I can really picture it. That's what I, I want to get in my mind, exactly how you are picturing it. So for me, the first part of blockchain would be the onboarding. It's similar to what you see nowadays, for example, even us that have, you know, the Embrix behind our name. So the first part of your blockchain would be your credibility. Um, who in your team is, you know, has a credible uh, record to be you know, working on the project. So that would be the first, uh, the first part of the blockchain. Because the blockchain would be able to um, give you credit, for example, it's on your LinkedIn profile. You know, people can put things in, but you could have uh, one source of truth to say, well, this is actually 100% exactly what they did. So that, that would be the first part of it. The second part would be uh, for your vetting of contractors, of anyone else, you know, any due diligence that you need to do. That would be the second part. Um, the third part would be the setting up your contracts, your smart contracts. Um, and you could probably get them in very early in your process as well. So instead of waiting, you know, till you go to procurement, you could start doing smart contracts ahead of time. Because one of the things that I've learned that the earlier you get the contractor into the process, the better for the project. So, yeah, so, so that would be very important. And it takes you back a little bit to, you know, the old days where people used to do a handshake. You know, it was, it was also that uh, moral about, you know, really being true to your word. So unfortunately, you know, it's, it's not the case at the moment. This is, the, this is what's happened. Um, and if it's on the blockchain, it's like you can't, uh, you know, because no one can change it. So it's, it's a secure... Uh, that, it, all, it all makes sense to me, right? And shaking hands, looking people in the eye versus there's a contract and you try and worm out of the, the, the contract, right? <laughs> or, you know, if there's a variation or whatever, there's, there's still, not worm out of it, but there's interpretation, isn't there, around contracts where 
one side might say, I believe this is a variation. The other side might say, I don't believe it's a variation as per the contract. So you could look at the contract in two different ways, couldn't you, with two different hats on, which is often what main contract and subcontract QS do, or client and main contract QS, right? Because they've got different competing goals. How would having a smart contract on the blockchain change that? Well, the first thing you would have is before you even do the contract for, let's say, between the two parties, you would have um, the information that would be connected to your BIM model that is part of a, uh, I would say, quality assurance on a blockchain. So that means that any information that's put into that set of drawings or specification, etc., it's been validated, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's true information. So that would be the first case. Then the second part would be, obviously, in this phase of contracts where you're saying, okay, how are we going to work together? You know, how do we go and make sure that this project is successful? And that always depends on what is the outcome everybody's looking for. You know, are you looking for uh, quality, time, etc.? It depends on, on, on where the vision is for, um, for this project. So that all would be set into, um, into your smart contract. And I think these contracts would be simplified a lot more because you wouldn't need to use those kind of words, you know, should, or, you know, words that uh, create, uh, I would say, ambiguous uh, meaning because it's not necessary to do that. It's interesting. Well, this is already setting my mind off in certain different directions. We've done so many shows recently where people are painting the future of commercial management, project management to me, and it's making me think, God, it's going to be so different in the future. And this is another one of those moments. So if you have BIM connected with smart contracts and within those smart contracts, you know that the way that we evaluate evaluate variations for example it's all pretty standardized right or it's meant to be standardized so i'm, I'm going to talk about panels of the facade because something that resonates with me but where you have 100 panels all of the same type you then say right we want to add another three of those type and the variation will almost just self-calculate because you'll have the standardized schedule of rates you'll have the smart contracts you'll have the bin model and it's all going to kind of flow so i can I'm starting to see how things could be very, very different. And it, again, brings me back to how... I know that was a very crude and simple example, but how how much of the work that is being done by commercial managers today may not need to be done by commercial managers' QSs tomorrow in that example. Does that make sense? It does, because that's the burning question. You know, if you, could, if you could have something that's automated or it's going to be, like you say, you don't need the trust... Uh, I mean, a lot of quantity surveyors were actually like, I would say, the, the, you know, the surveyors to make sure everyone was telling the truth, like the consciousness of the, of the project. <laughs> you're, saying the that, time... that you're saying that the QSs are the consciousness of, of the project? Of course, because they're the only ones. I'll take that. <laughs> they're the only ones that are Many there really. Many people would say the opposite. No, no, no. For, for me, that's always been the, the word of truth. Why? Because your, your, your um, responsibility is to make sure that, uh, you know, the, the finances are met not met but you know looked after correctly because i mean that's one of the reasons qs's even exist and then the second part is to ensure that um whatever contracts are in place are, are fair i mean this is you know this is an ideal world so for me the way i see the qs is uh, you know moving forward i almost feel like we're getting a superpower because at the moment we boggle so much data so much information i don't know how you do it but you always feel overwhelmed because there's just so much to absorb 
Obviously, with experience, it's a lot easier. But I imagine, you know, a 20-year-old or 25-year-old QS coming, you know, into our industry. And for the first, at least, I don't know, three or four years, it's just so much information that you have to either memorize or try and, you know, find an angle on. So it just takes so much um, time out of a process. And also, why do you need to do it? Why could it not be that products, panels, I'm going to go back to my facade knowledge here, panels get delivered on site, they get checked into site, they get QA approved, and then the, the valuation for materials on site, it's just done for you because it's all linked to the BIM and to the smart contract. Same for the installation, etc. So rather than spending, I'm going to go back to when I was assistant QS walking sites for a whole day with the other QS, the main contractor QS, taking a valuation of all the different panels, etc. on site. It's kind of time misspent to some degree right it's not the best use of time so i'm seeing that there is a changing future you look like you want to cut in uh, and, and say something Go I, do. On. <laughs> I do because i think there's a lot of misconception about you know what's on a drawing when you see it uh, in 2 or 3d and then when you when you get on site it's a very different uh, it's, it's it's a different scenario because it's real you know, you have to be able to think on your feet. You have to be able to be um, confident to make a decision or to advise, your, you know, your client or maybe the team. This is the, the next direction or this is the next step we should take because you, you want to ensure that we are going to deliver um, an outstanding project. And that's, that's probably, especially on site, that's, that's probably like 90% of what you're doing is problem solving. So imagine you had a, a very strong database that could assist you with that i mean you become super you know yeah you become a super qs yeah and, and, and you're absolutely right that it's that data set again which so often you don't have and you don't have clarity on that and that in itself leads to in some ways opportunism which then leads to a lack of trust right because the data set isn't there so it does make a lot of sense so you're going to remove a lot of the noise on projects and people aren't going to be able to talk nonsense it's just going to be factually correct that makes a lot of sense to me you have set up a qs consultancy i see that this will dramatically change among other things the role of quantity surveyors moving forward how do you plan your business around this because it seems like you talk about it a lot it's at the forefront of your mind to me i don't think it's the forefront of most of the sector's mind at least on the projects that I'm involved in and see how is it affecting your business plan well I think for us we we realize that we are the ones that are going to build these models because for for the industry moving forward there has to be someone that's going to have that knowledge set that is going to be able to see the 360 which a lot of QSs are able to do that's one of the you know the skills that they, they really attune to so that's going to be... I love how positive you are about QSs, by the way. I love QSs. <laughs> I even have a sister <laughs> QS, you know. So I come from a QS family. Oh, double trouble. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, and we, we, you know, it's funny. We're sort of a dying breed a little bit, which is sad. But we don't want to be because we, we understand that we are, are useful. And they always say we're the only ones that actually make money on the project because <laughs> we pay for ourselves. Indeed, indeed. Yeah, so that's cool. Yeah. So for me, so for me I, I definitely um, think it's going to provide even more flexibility in projects because instead of creating linear projects, which we have at the moment, we can create robust models, you know, where you have 
projects that can go around, for example, where you've got the project in the center and you've got things happening um, around to, to create a, a, a flexibility of work. And we don't uh, have so many, um, you know, like bottlenecks or, or things that are blocking uh, the process. So I think it's going to be a very different world. We have to think of it that way. We, co- we cannot continue doing, you know, things the way we are doing it because it's uh, sort of a dead end. And so can you tell us of any kind of real life applications right now or projects where there is something exciting happening on the blockchain? So, Beaming so from ear to ear. Yeah. <laughs> well, in France, it's quite... You a, love this, don't you? Well, I, I do, because in France, it's a very active market blockchain. You, you've got the large... Really? Yeah, there's but a, for construction? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Construction, you've got the... Um, you know, the big contractors that are completely, you know, ready to, to move on it. Um, you've got the um, big consultancies, for you know, that do uh, consultancy for businesses that are big into it. And, and I'm sure you've seen a few reports written. I wonder if I'm just missing this then in the UK. Maybe it's a big thing in the UK as well, but I've not seen it on more the SME market uh, for sure. I think you have to deep dive it because it's so niche. Uh, th- that's maybe why you're not seeing it. Uh, it's like anything, you know, they always say if you, if you focus on this thing, you're not going to see the other thing. So you kind of have to just focus on that and you'll see lots of things popping up against, you know, what you're busy doing. And because we know that, especially in, in our market, for example, in Paris, we've got, you know, large infrastructure projects happening. Everybody's looking for efficiencies. So the buzzword is blockchain. Everybody wants to have the most efficient model of um, delivering projects. Um, the French are known for speed. I mean, they, they are very efficient in construction, that I can tell you. And they also like to go very deep into a subject because we do spend a lot of time uh, in the beginning of a project. Like We will spend more time on, uh, going through all you know, the different problems beforehand uh, and then we'll build. You know, it's like basic separating those two so make sure that everything is you know up and and running and then produce so it's two separate uh yeah so where is the blockchain being used on what projects and how um so we've got them in um there's a few blockchain companies that are that exist Uh, there's one that's called boom chain they work in the building industry um there's another one that works in supply chain it's called uh, onest then there's another one that works with carbon, uh, you know, carbon uh, exchange markets. We've got one as well that does um, help you also to create smart contracts. Really? I clearly have been sitting under a rock, haven't I, and missing this. So you've got BIM chain, ONS, you've got people doing smart contracts for construction. Yes. And it's there's moving, Blockvin. Then. Yeah, I know that's moving. It's like, it's one of those things as well. You know, if you could picture the internet um, when it first started, I don't know, before the crash, <laughs> it literally feels like that. that. That's what's happening. If you've got a, a blockchain project, there's a lot of, uh, I mean, we work a lot in the startup, uh, you know, industry as well. Um, there's a lot of interest. It's pretty much like, can you show me a product? I'm interested in expanding on that. So Amazing. So it's I'm very, gonna, very I'm exciting. I'm going to go and check all of those out personally. It's just all the listeners do as well. Where are you trying to take your QS practice over the next five years, given what's happening with technology right now? We'd like to be, you know, sort of the, the Bloomberg of uh, construction. Wow. <laughs> we, we are. So we, we, we have big visions. We want to definitely be able to master technology for our sector. 
that is uh, is our building block. Um, we know it's going to take. What does being the Bloomberg of construction look like? Well, it's a platform. Uh, it becomes a platform where you have. I'm not sure if you know a little bit how Bloomberg works. They have like a Bloomberg terminal. That's where all the information comes in and. In their sector, you can make quick decisions because you have all the information, um, you know, all the analysis is done for you. And then it's a very good link for everybody that's working in, you know, in finance. And then this has been something that's, yeah. And the big thing that they're doing now is insights. You know, it's, it's pretty much creating new models. What is the next thing happening? They work a lot on trends. So it's also a little bit like a, a steering committee you know on, on saying okay where, where's a good place we can go can we experiment with this yes we should because uh, we don't do that enough in construction we, we actually don't do enough r&d like we don't we should and we should take the time to do that you know that should be uh i don't know 40 percent of what you're doing it should be r&d so you want to create a data hub an insights hub for clients contractors other other practices to feed into so that they can start to say this is the decision we're going to make and it's based on that data 100 percent. we're going to back it in the same way that market analyst traders would do that with a bloomberg terminal effectively yeah because it's basically it's two things it's data hub and it's a toolkit because i think that's the part that 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 makes it magical it's the interface is how do people get to use it and the, the more simplistic something is the better so, so that's our, our model. It's not, you know, 100% that, but we've got You're our own, our own hybrid. It. Yeah, absolutely. Amazing. It sounds like an f- absolutely amazing and ambitious project and vision that you've got. So kudos for that. Final question. What should I have asked you that I have not asked you? I think for me, probably a question on... on uh, on who the new clients are going to be in our industry because we can see the transformation already. Okay, and every every everything is said with a wry smile from you, Charlotte, which I enjoy. <laughs> so talk to me then about the, the new clients and the kind of clients we're going to have. Well, the thing is, because I'll give you an example. I went to a dinner party um, the last weekend and it was very interesting though because it wasn't my sector. It was, you know, another sector that, that I was uh, introduced to um, some very interesting people. And in this um, crowd of people, there were people that work in construction, but they were not doing things the way we were. They were completely, I would say, 20 steps ahead. And I was fascinated. I was like, wow, <laughs> you know. So there was a lot of, um, I would say, work that's been done out of the office. That is a big thing. A lot of um, insight on how we're going to build the new world. You know, like what is it going to look like? How are people going to be working what does the next um, generation, you know, see as work? You know, there's a lot of uh, interest in, in people that work as nomads, that want to be freelancers. Like, how does that fit into our sector? What do we want to build? You know, do we want to build towers? <laughs> or do we want to, you know, make um, the places or the spaces where we spend time a little bit more in nature? You know, like, what is that going to look like? And And these are all interesting questions because the... I think the demand that's coming from, you know, the new type of clients is is very interesting because we have to rethink our processes because, you know, they're not building a tower or, you know, fitting out an office space. So this is important. Uh, it's changed a lot, hasn't it, since COVID? It was a seminal moment. I think we'll look back at it as like an inflection point, a, a real moment where I was listening to someone talking about it, actually, where it 
just because we paused, and I know not everyone paused. I I, I didn't pause. Our business didn't. But the, like the, the the sector paused and the world paused, and it just allowed everyone to take a little bit of a step back and think: Is this really what we want to do? Is this what we want? How we want to live? How we want to build? Um, and how we want to operate? And I think it will will always look back at that moment and think that was a real turning point. Um, so it's interesting to hear how different clients are acting. You, what you're saying then is clients, uh, it sounds like you're implying that the people that you were speaking to, at least at this event, were moving away from the traditional office block to what? Well, they're moving to a flexible, a flexible environment. That is, that is what they want. Um, your workspace is not, uh, it's not an office. We, we've seen this, um, which is interesting because the, they always say that Zoom killed, you know, the, the, the commercial office industry, <laughs> which is so true. And um, I mean, it's, it's becoming more and more apparent that people don't want that. They don't want to be, you know, I don't know, there was like a back to work. You have to come back to the office and nobody wants to come back to the office. So, you know, the new projects we're doing, it's like, OK, let's how can we have a social space? You know, like, can people come here because it's fun? Like that that's the new approach yeah it's completely um, different can we isn't go it? to not you have yeah, to be here and you have to be here at this time it's kind of like ooh, how do we get everyone back and make it an environment that they want to be in at least some of the time because there's a benefit in doing that it's, that's what i mean it's changed hasn't it it's completely changed everyone's mentality and then i think teams as well have changed because um we, we discovered this in um when we worked in denmark um everybody was working independently you know you you would have teams coming together with smaller companies um you could still do big projects but there was a lot more on smaller businesses smaller practices i'm, I'm talking about architects engineers even contractors so so they are definitely um you know more, more people that want to own their own businesses because they realize that they want to do things a little bit, uh, you know, their way as well. And if you can build uh, a brand and you've got a good uh, execution, then, you know, th- there's a possibility to do that now. Well, if there is ever a example of someone who has wanted to build their own business and is building their own business, you are a fantastic example of that. And thank you for sharing everything that you have shared today because you've opened my eyes significantly and I'm going to personally go and do some research into some of those things that you mentioned to try and understand more about how blockchain is influencing the sector I will of course share your details details of bespoke um, as well in the podcast description and Charlene it's been my absolute pleasure to speak to you today thank you for coming on the show thank you very much I really really enjoyed it the pleasure was all mine and as always guys I will speak to you next week have a great week ahead